everything affects your ability to buy a property. Literally everything. Guys, it's 2023. All of your banking system is completely automated. And when uh, I go and look at your ability to buy a house, I'm looking at your budget. I'm looking at any lines of credit you have. I'm looking at your transaction histories. I'm looking at your income. I'm looking at your expenses. I'm looking at any of the assets or even liabilities that you have. Hey chicks, I'm Al. And I'm Sal. And this is Two Broke Chicks, the show that shares life lessons because we are broken funds but rich in life. And look who's back. <laughs> I have come crawling back. She I'm like, let me talk more about money, please. We loved it. Well, the chicks loved it. Did they? Yeah. It was like one of our most successful episodes. Oh, well, let me on all the time. Done. Third broke chick. Yeah, but I don't have a name that rhymes. Like there's Sal, there's Al, and then what, there's Victoria. Well, we're going to have to change your name. Yeah, you'll have to be Val. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely not. (laughs) Sal, Al, Val. Thank you for trying to make me feel included. We send (laughs) you like the form of us like legally changing your name. Like we had to forge your signature, but we got there in the end and you're like. (laughs) Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. My signature, if you guys are wondering, is the same one I've had since I was like 14. It still has the love heart over the top of it because. How do you change your signature? You can't. <laughs> like, consistency is key. Yeah. <laughs> I've dropped the love heart um, and I'm just hoping that, like, my driver's license people, they don't notice. Keep the love heart. <laughs> I love it. But we have got Victoria Devine back on the show. If you are new here, she is the host and author of She's on the Money and now retired but an award-winning financial advisor. Mm-hmm. So slays Thanks across the board. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. I mean, we're so excited. And you've just finished and launched your new book I have property with she's on the money which I think I'm biased because it's my book so I think it's pretty okay (laughs) but I just feel like right now is the time for a property book like Mm -hmm. everything's going crazy we hear about interest rates literally every month we are all stressed we are all over it like we are so sick of mediocre middle-aged white men saying that we need to eat less avocado toast so we can get into the market when that's not the reality Mm -hmm. so I think now was the time for a book that really broke that down and said, hey, I know interest rates are absolutely astronomical. I know that life can be overwhelming. I know that getting a deposit is the hardest thing in the entire world, but it's still possible if you want to do it. And here's how, because I think every other property book historically has kind of relied on, here's what the property market looks like. And that we talk about it. Absolutely. Because I'm very passionate about it. But like, here's a step-by-step guide to getting into your first home, saving for your first home, and also what to do for the first 12 months of owning it, because this stuff is overwhelming. Mm. And I think a lot of people in their 20s think of owning a property as like the boogeyman. Yeah. Or like also buying a unicorn. Mm-hmm. You're like, that's not going to happen. Like it will but just never happen. Yeah. I and think so many people are really apathetic towards it. Yeah. So I'm excited for this episode because we're kind of going to bust that myth and really break down how you can actually achieve buying a property in your 20s or any age and mm-hmm. that it isn't like trying to find the fucking fountain of youth. <laughs> which How absolutely. <laughs> which like also, if anyone does know where that is, drop the location. I yeah, do. Drop the I do. Yeah, it's at my girl um, who does my Botox. I was just about to <laughs> make that joke. You oh, I'm so in. sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. Take it. Run with it. Have it. Thank you. Yours. Thank you. I, I, I found it first. Yeah, they're like, <laughs> the fountain of youth is in every Botox injection. There we go. I got mine now. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> and I will keep buying it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if anyone's got the fountain, it's probably a bit more cost effective. So <laughs> moving on. But before we get into the episode, as you know, we like to share our life lesson of the week. So would you like to start us off 
Victoria. I was going to call you Val as a joke. <laughs> no, Val's a great name. I, Go for it. I was like, I didn't want to get in trouble. My but, entire community called me Vicky D. Like it can't I get worse than that. that. <laughs> Vicky D. Um, what's my life lesson of the week? Um, so uh, my week has been really boring. Um, I am, I think you guys already know this, but I am like 20 weeks pregnant at this point in time, which is so exciting, but also so overwhelming. Um, and you would think that you wouldn't be sick still, but I am. Um, and that's okay. Really grateful to be here. But my life lessons of the week is that, uh, fruit tingles will solve most of the problems that you have. I fucking love fruit tingles so much. Exactly. Like if someone bought you a roll of fruit tingles, it's like the throwback that you needed. You're immediately going to have a, like a boost of serotonin. You're going to be like, oh my God, fruit tingles. How fun. Um, They're a dollar a roll. Um, If you have heartburn or reflux, same active ingredient as Gaviscon, but they taste better. What? Is this not the best thing you've ever learned? Oh my God. That is is one of the best life lessons we've ever had. Yeah. Fruit tingles are life. I'm really going to buy some this week. Same. I love fruit They're tingles on the bottom too. shelf because they're not that popular and they're now called Lifesavers Fruit Tingles. Oh. Watch, watch. They're about to become top shelf, baby. Yeah. yeah. They're like going to go right viral. In the middle. They're working their way up the ladder. <laughs> okay, Sal, tell me. Tell me, what did you learn this week? Okay. My life lesson that I saw this week was from an article that came from a report that Allianz did about sort of like work-life balance, the cost of living, all of that fun stuff that everybody's talking about this year especially. Also, you're just like really smart and mine was free tingles. Okay, I'll go see <laughs> No! It's no. always good to have a blend. Yeah, it's good to have a mix. That's what we're all about. Lime and shade, baby. Yeah. But apparently 41% of Australians are considering quitting their jobs in the next 6 to 12 months because of the cost of living crisis and how unhappy everyone is at work. Why am I sharing this as a life lesson of the week? Because I feel like in the last three months, we have been getting a huge influx of chicks sending us in messages because they're really unhappy at work and they're really unsure with what they want to do with their career and their life. And having a lot of like quarter life crisis questions and being like, what do I want to do with my life? I'm really tossing up everything's so expensive right now, but I'm really unhappy Hmm. in my place of work. I actually love that though. Like I know that that isn't positive if you're an employer and I am an employer. So if that's any of my staff, please see me outside. (laughs) Um, But I think it's one of those things where we're so sick of it. Like Mm. you're sick of being treated like trash. Like we know we deserve better. Like get it, Queens. If you know you deserve better, go get better. Yes. 100%. And I you're not that. alone in this either. I think that's the thing too. So I Sal, love that. I obviously didn't want it to come out this way. <laughs> oh my god, but, no! Um, this is my notice. Okay, that really, going to be Sal and Val. No, I was about <laughs> to be like, um, "Are you quitting?" Like, do we need to? <laughs> no, like way. I'm here. Like I'm here and I'm willing. <laughs> think of something witty. As if Sal. Here you be... go. <laughs> financial ad- financial and life advice from A to V. Love. Done. Love. See? See ya, Sal. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, y'all. No, nah, Sal will be like lowered into the grave in her coffin and I'll have a mic in there with me be like, so if you could rate this coffin out of one to ten, <laughs> would you recommend it to the chicks for their next burial? Mm-hmm. I'd be like, my discount code is <laughs> death. Uh, 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 white ladies' discount code is <laughs> death 20. <laughs> I'll be like, here's how I paid for my funeral with my superannuation. <laughs> Fuck, okay. Well, my life lesson is Google's new interview tool. 
So Ooh. saw this on TikTok, standard, mm-hmm. and it's called an interview warm-up tool and you can pick your industry and then you it asks you questions and you verbally answer the questions and it will give you feedback on your answers. And then once you're finished that, you can pick new questions or do the same questions again and practice literally going to a job That's interview. So, so, oh, my God, double good. whammy. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. So if you want to quit your job and you're going to an interview, use Google's interview warm-up tool. Oh, I love yeah, I, that. I love that because who actually practices in the mirror? Even though that's like a top tip, you're and not you're supposed do it to do it, but you're awkward. You feel so too what, awkward. So what we're going to do is quit our jobs. We're going to practice on Google and actually get the job, and then we're going to celebrate by buying ourselves fruit tingles. Mm-hmm. See, Play. I like this. I like this a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Perfect. And then we're going to buy a property. Yeah. Yeah. Then we're going to buy a house because we bought fruit tingles instead of avocados. Play. <laughs> And they're only one dollar. Oh See, my gosh! It all adds disclaimer, up. Disclaimer: This is not financial advice. <laughs> oh no! Buying fruit tingles a thousand percent financial advice. <laughs> okay, well, let's get into the juicy stuff. Sal, do you want to kick us off? Mm-hmm. Okay, starting off with a big question: Is it even a good idea to buy property in your twenties? Uh, slow or fast? So fast answer. <laughs> Yes. Uh, Longer answer. Can we take a little bit of a backtrack and say that everyone is on a different journey and there are going to be people who can buy property in their 20s and people who could never financially afford to buy property in their 20s. So if it's a good idea uh, for you, then fantastic. It actually is not, from my perspective, as an ex-financial advisor, as someone who owns properties, and has gone through that process, it's not about the economy or the current market from my perspective, because current market is the next couple of years, right? How long's a mortgage? 30 plus years. Mm. It is a long-term financial decision. So whether you are saving for a property and you're like, oh my gosh, the market's off right now. I've heard that property is down two or 3%. It's a good idea to buy. But if that puts super significant financial stress on you, I don't think you should be doing it because that doesn't make sense for a long-term financial decision. Because in the grand scheme of things, I don't care if you overpay by $40,000 on a property that over the period of 30 years will triple in value. Mm. So you kind of go, all right, well, let's just, I always say this on my podcast and it's really lame, but it's really relevant. When in doubt, zoom out. Like if you're feeling like it's just overwhelming and you're like, oh my gosh, like, should I buy a property this year or should I buy a property in my twenties? All right, let's stop thinking about our twenties and zoom out and look at over my lifetime. Is this a good financial decision or is it not? So from my perspective, the best time to buy property is when you are financially ready and the best property to buy is the one you can afford, mm-hmm. not necessarily your dream house. You know how so many advisors and people in the media are like, uh, the best property to buy is actually one on land, like never buy apartments. I'm sorry, where is your audacity coming from? <laughs> I can't afford that. Like my property is going to be an apartment and that doesn't mean it's a bad investment class. Yes, of course, a, a property on significant land is going to be worth more. We are actually all rocket scientists, (laughs) but if an apartment is what's within your budget and in your scope and matches all of your goals and all of your values and puts you on the the property ladder, why is that a bad idea if over the long term, it's still going to increase in value? Mm. That's wild too, because I actually hate the idea of living in a house Mm. because here's the thing, I'm scared of everything. I love being in a high up apartment because there is one point of access 
and no, it's love, the front love. door. I like I am so and there's a security camera and there's a lift and you needed the pass to That's get in the lift to get I'm to like, my door. The the fact that you can there's like seventy entry points of a house, I'm like, oh no. Don't, yeah. Because don't I know what I'm me. like. If I live in a house and I hear a creak in the a night. A creak. It I could hear literally a bug. I'm like, it's it. It's happening. <laughs> Someone call Liam Neeson. I'm about to be taken. No, like, but, I but just... that's legit it. I, I am exactly the same. I live in a house at the moment and I'm so glad this is pre-recorded because I don't want to tell everybody on the internet that I'm currently by myself. But my husband's been away for the week. Um, he's back now. Ha ha. Okay. <laughs> you can't get me. You can't get me. <laughs> um, but it's one of those things that like when I'm on my own at the house, I'm like, I wish I was still in my apartment. Mm. Like I never felt anxious there. So those are your values though. And that's what's really important. And that's what actually drives your property decisions and what you should be looking at. Because if you took that, Alex, to your dad or to somebody in the, you know, in the media, they might go, oh yeah, I see that you want to buy an apartment, but uh, have you thought about land? Uh, mm. And it's not that practical because yeah. one, I don't have double the budget. I also have different values to you and that's kind of cool. So yeah. sometimes we need to kind of like put blinkers on and be in our own lane when it comes to picking property and what works for us. And three, I don't want to take out my own bins. That's Strata's job. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and so Liam true. Neeson, Liam Neeson doesn't even live in Australia. Liam, How's he going to help? Liam can just <laughs> chill out on his couch. Don't have worry, a cup I'm of in tea. an apartment. Take Liam, a well-deserved break. You know what? Annual leave approved. Mm-hmm. When I move into a house, you're back on the job. <laughs> He's like, just stay. Just so you are. Just relax. Liam's now, the babe. one taking me. Yeah. He's like, shut up. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. He's like, I'm done with you. Yeah. He's like, I resign. I I'm part of the him. 41%. <laughs> it's all coming together. I'm like, here's a fruit tingle. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> so I think there are a lot of misconceptions about what can affect your ability to buy a property. One of the biggest ones being that, Afterpay doesn't affect your credit score. So can Where you talk are these us people to... getting that? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's also, debt. love to our Why producer, do you Sarah. Think it's <laughs> but I hear it all the time. What are some of the things that affect your ability to buy a property? I am bringing down the mood. I'll give you a fruit tingle after to bring it back up. <laughs> uh, everything affects your ability to buy a property. Literally everything. Guys, it's 2023. All of your banking system is completely automated. And when... Uh, I go and look at your ability to buy a house. I'm looking at your budget. I'm looking at any lines of credit you have. I'm looking at your transaction histories. I'm looking at your income. I'm looking at your expenses. I'm looking at any of the assets or even liabilities that you have. Um, I guess backstory, if you haven't met me before, obviously you two have, but who knows if your listeners have, I also own a mortgage broking company. So I, every single day work to get people into their first properties. Um, and it's wild how many people come to us too late. So it's not too late to buy a house, but more they're like, oh, I found the house I want. And I'm like, okay, cool. But I wish you'd come to me three months ago because your spending habits, even though you've got the deposit, are trash. And the bank is going to look at that and go, Alex, Why you're spending. Me? Yeah, just because you're the one it's, that it's was fair on and tingles. educated, but I just wanted to know why. <laughs> just as you were, as an you uneducated were. Okay. Guess, back in scene, in scene, action. <laughs> I mean, Sal. <laughs> um, No, so they're going to look at everything. They're going to look at your transaction history and they're also going to look at whether you can afford the mortgage. Mm. So you might be paying rent and you might go, oh, but I pay rent and when I buy that uh, actually that means I can pay. Well, 
that's not true. They don't actually count your rent payments, which is actually a joke. They are going to look at Afterpay and any other lines of credit. And the way actually, like, let's get into this a little bit more because I think it's really pervy. The way they look at lines of credit. So a line of credit is like your Afterpay. So a line of credit is credit that you can access. Uh, a, a credit card, for example, uh, is a line of credit. It might be at zero because you're a big dog and like you've just got it for points and you might actually be so good at using a credit card. But if that limit is $10,000, the way a bank views it is that you have $10,000 worth of debt. They wow. don't actually go, wow, Sal pays off her credit card. Sorry, Alex. Sal paid off her credit card every single month. That's so admirable. They actually go, mm, liability. She has access to a line of credit of $10,000. We need to take that into consideration when offering her a loan. And what that means is you might be in a position where they offer you $10,000 less on your mortgage. Mm. So we need to be talking to brokers sooner if you want to buy property. It's one of the reasons why I think there's a big misconception, again, while we're talking about misconceptions, that you should talk to a broker once you've got your deposit. Mm no, go have a chat with a broker now and be like, well, actually, what would I, you know, what kind of schemes or grants could I actually get access to? You know, I'm single and earn, you know, $80,000. Is that even possible? Get them to map it out. Tell them what it actually looks like for you financially, because that could actually help with your decision-making process. Because mm. like, you can Google it. You could Google like, oh, average property price in my area. But talking to a broker is going to take into consideration your entire situation and be like, okay, well, actually, guys, I've sat down. You've got this income. You've got this. I could actually lend you like $500,000 over the next 12 months. Do you want to go like work a bit more on your deposit? Come back to me. We can get that done. Mm. You're going to get clearer goals, clearer outcomes. And I promise brokers aren't mad that you don't want to buy right now. Because if you get a good relationship with them, you'll buy at some point. And that's what we love. Like there is nothing more than my team loves. Like, yeah, okay, come to me for a refinance. That's easy. Come to me and say, oh, I've got this big dog. You know, my parents are actually giving me a deposit. Okay, unrelatable. But like, <laughs> let's get you a house. That must be nice. It must be nice, but we're going to get you a house. That's fantastic. But there's nothing more gratifying than going, oh my gosh, like we had a had a client come, they had $0 and they had, you know, an afterpay account and now they're buying their first home. Like, oh. but like, is that not the coolest thing ever? So like I'm, us getting to be a part of that, 10 out of 10. How long should someone have their finances cleaned up before they should go into like buying a mortgage? So if you do have, you know, that credit card, those afterpay payments coming out and you've settled those, how long would you say you need to have, I'm going to use the word clean or like. No, 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 cleaned like, up bank accounts. Clean, yeah, cleaned up bank also, account. We also have to clean up our language yeah. as well. I had a very, when I got my first mortgage, I had a very, uh, questionable transaction of someone paying me money and it was actually just a girlfriend that I'd lent 500 bucks to but she was mm. making me look really gross and I had to tell the bank what that was oh, um shit. it's okay it all works out but I'd prefer not to have awkward conversations yeah uh with some dude from the bank um so I would say a minimum of three months ideally six months and in a perfect world for as long as you've been saving your deposit. Not that that is going to change too much, but if you can clean it up for three months, I actually think it's not just about cleaning up your records so that the bank likes you. It's actually about proving to yourself that you can afford the mortgage repayments. Mm. So like if you've got your deposit and you're ready to buy and you're a little bit anxious, why don't we pretend, like let's do the maths, how much 
is a, you know, a mortgage repayment each month on a $650 or a $650,000 house, if that's what you're buying, Mm -hmm. can we actually just pop that amount into our savings account? Like you can obviously include rent and stuff Mm because it's not about what the bank is doing. It's proving it to yourself. You're going to feel so much more confident the second we buy the house because you're like, nah, I've been practicing for the last six months. I know what it's like to live with a mortgage repayment because I've been, quote, paying one for the last six months. So obviously the sooner the better. However, the best thing that you can do is, yeah, minimum three months. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty achievable. Yeah. It's not like you have to do it for 12 months. And you you also don't have to delete or remove things, right? So like we're currently talking about credit cards, right? You might go to your mortgage broker and find out your credit card's actually fine. Like for some people, they might go, oh, you know, Sally, you've only got like a $2,000 credit Mm. card. Like the bank's looking at it. And to be honest, it doesn't impact it that much. YOLO, it's fine. Keep it. Don't worry. Whereas I've had other clients where it's the make or break where, you know, we go, all right, well, actually we've looked at it. We've spoken to the bank delete the credit card and we can get you the loan. And I'm not saying you can't get it back later. Don't listen to me, banks. Like, of course, I wouldn't tell clients that. (laughs) But it's one of those things where get rid of it. We can get you a loan um, and we can do that. But I think it's really important to have those conversations because don't go, like, it's just a bit of a nightmare. If you're reliant on a credit card because that's how you get points and actually pay for things and you're really responsible with it, don't just delete it because you Mm. think that's what the bank Mm. wants. Like, go find out. Don't just change things because that makes sense. Um, so I think that's really important. And then the other thing I'd say on that is once you get pre-approval for a loan, don't change your financial situation because you've been pre-approved. Yeah. Like don't go get a new job without talking to your broker about what that looks like. Don't go and buy a new car or take out a new line of credit or a credit card or book a big overseas holiday during that period of time between getting your pre-approval and buying and settling on your house because that can throw it for six Mm because it's only pre-approval. The bank is saying we agree to this situation, not if it changes. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a good point. So many people do it too. Like it is wild. I have had clients who have said, oh my gosh, V, you're going to be so excited. Can't believe we got the house. So I went and celebrated by buying the car for the driveway. And I'm like, no, you did not. Oh my God. Oh, okay. We've all done it. That's right. It's good to know. People do it and it's good to know what to do and Don't, what not yeah. to do. So we're getting into some really fun topics here, but what types of loans should people in their twenties be researching and comparing? Is this a trick question? Like, tell us. We like, don't know. But that's or should the I thing. be like, oh, don't research some of the loans that you might take on. All of them, babe. All of them. You are mm-hmm. going to research everything because education is key. So if you're going to take on any type of loan, especially when it comes to property, again, just go see a mortgage broker. You don't do this 24-7. Go and have a chat with a mortgage broker because they're going to compare like 50 different loan products for you. Mm. I don't have time for that. How Maybe much does I it cost? Sorry. It's free. It is a free. A mortgage broker is free. A mortgage broker is free. And do you know why they're free? Because the banks, they go, hey, money win. We're not going to have to do any work to get Al as a client. The mortgage broker is. So they go, hey, whatever profit we're going to make with Al, we're going to share it with you. It doesn't actually put you in a position where you personally are going to be charged more. In fact, because, example me, 
because my business writes so many loans with so many banks, they're like, oh, V, keep sending them our way. We'll give you a good discount because we want you to pick us instead of this other bank. So my clients are often in a better position with a particular bank than if you'd gone direct. That's so amazing. I That's never knew mind. that. Me neither. I always thought that you had to pay. So it's literally rate. free. It's someone's doing all the hard work, all the intimidating educational piece for And the hustle. Like, They're like calling banks, being like, not good enough, fix it, make it better, fix this for so my client. Good. They want this particular benefit. The one thing I would say on that though is yes, they are absolutely free, but it is so much work. Obviously we get mm. paid at the end, but we only get paid if you settle on a property and that's fine. No pressure but don't go and see multiple brokers Mm -hmm. because that's obviously meaning that one of them who's done a whole heap of work is going to end up missing out, but also it's going to double the amount of credit inquiries that you have on your account. It's going to override. So let's say that, you know, they're both good mortgage brokers and they both come out that the best loan for you personally is at A and Z. Mm -hmm. If they both put inquiries, it cancels one out because you can only have one inquiry on one client at one time. And it just becomes the biggest mess. And you might think you're doing the right thing because you're like, you know, getting multiple opinions, Mm. get multiple opinions at the start, like interview a broker, have a chat, make sure that you vibe with them because that's so important, but then only commit to one of them. Mm. That makes a lot of sense, but yeah. I still love that it's free. I love free shit. It's free. It's a money win. Wild. And it's going to put you in a better financial position 100%. long term. Like, as I said before, our favorite thing is getting people into their first homes. Mm. But like how, like one of the things that we love, we've got like a massive group chat. We use like Slack at work and mm. it just, I swear it's just memes and us celebrating how cool we think we or are. Or sending right? gifts. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a big gift sender on Slack. Same. Yeah. Yeah. Our team make their own gifts and it's usually really terrible photos of me, but YOLO. <laughs> um, so one of our favorite things ever is when, you know, Al, you might come to us and be like, Hey, I'm not really in the position to buy, but I just want to see what's going on. And like, you know, have someone tell me to get my ducks in a row. Like, mm. what does the process look like? And then we sit you down and go, Hey, did you know that you're able to access this system, this benefit, this type of outcome? And, you know, actually, if you just scrape together like a five or a 10% deposit, you could probably do that this year. You're going to be mind blown because these people are, they're doing it every single day Mm. and they might go, Hey, did you know this scheme's actually open for the next three months? And like, you meet all the criteria. You're not going to be able to do all that research because there's nationwide schemes. There are government schemes for regional or, you know, Metro Victoria. They're different from state to territory. So I think it's really important to talk to someone who's educated, who can be like, yep, that's completely possible. But also Sometimes we talk to clients and I'm like, you need to get your stuff together. Mm. If you keep spending like this, my friend, you're not going to afford property. Mm. Like, here's what it looks like. And sometimes that I love because it kind of kicks your butt into gear to go, Mm. oh, actually, I do need to get it together. I always knew, but I didn't really know. Is there like... We're kind, I promise. Yes, of course, (laughs) of course. Is there kind of a goal number that comes up regularly when you're talking to clients that are wanting to buy their first property like is there a number that is kind of the amount that you're like let's aim to save this amount to buy your own property I know it's reflective of what's in the market where you're wanting to buy but if you were gonna if someone was like give me a number of how much I should save for a property what's the number you would tell them so it really depends and I say that because 
it's going to depend on the property price. So let's Mm. not even talk about market. Let's actually talk about your financial situation. So let's say you earn what? Let's call it $100,000 just because it's a clean number. And you're like, V, I want to buy a property. And I go, okay, well, you know, talk to one of my brokers. We've worked out that if you had a deposit on your income, you'd be you'd be approved for $500,000 or something as a loan, right? The goal then, if that's the circumstance, and you can extrapolate this out however you want, is usually a start point of 20%. So 20% of $500,000 is $100,000. So I would say, Al, your goal is $100,000. Mm-hmm. We start the conversation there. Then we go, all right, let's take a step back what schemes, what grants, what else could we access for your situation? And we might find that, okay, the first home super saver makes sense. And to be honest, it makes sense for most people because it's a scheme that is open to literally everybody who has a superannuation account. You can put money straight in there and take it out when you buy your first home and you're better off financially because you only pay 15% tax inside super instead of your marginal tax rate, which is usually 31.5%. I could go on about that for ages. We can do a separate episode, but that is really (laughs) cool. From my perspective, it's the closest thing to like money laundering, which I think is real cool. Like you put the money in there and then you get more money out. Money win. Like, <laughs> money laundering, money win. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so stunning. Do not, do not clip that part and make me sound like a terrible human being. But it's already done. It's, it's, it's live. Like we actually right? just posted it. Yeah, we might then look at your personal circumstances and the type of career you have. If you are in a healthcare field or you're a doctor or you're a lawyer, banks love those people because mm. they're really stable, right? Mm. So often you can get a loan for 10%. So I might go, oh, well, actually, Alex, you work in healthcare in this particular area. Did you know that if we went with this particular bank, you would only need $50,000 for that $500,000 so loan? Cool. And you go, money win. Then that would become our goal. However, If then there was other things like let's pretend for a hot second you're a single mom, you might actually be able to access the 2% deposit scheme that's going on nationwide at the moment. You'd only need 2% of a deposit. Isn't that cool that you might need? I have to go have a baby and break up with my boyfriend. Done. (laughs) But like 2% of a deposit ends up being 10 grand. Hmm. Like That's very different to $100,000 depending on the grants and the schemes and what we can access for you. Mm. The ballpark changes again if you're a little Nepo baby (laughs) and mum and dad are going to come to the table with a guarantor loan for you. Mm -hmm. So if mum and dad come to the table and go, you know what, Alex, we've got a property. We're happy for you to use some of the equity in that property. We'll sign a contract that says that we'll give you a guarantor loan. You need $0 for a deposit. You just need to prove serviceability that you can pay the loan. So it, if that makes sense, there's not one goal. Usually I would say 20% because mm-hmm. that's the start point. That's if you cannot access any grants, any schemes, any Nepo baby benefits. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really important to go, yeah, that's it. And for a lot of my clients, even if we only use 10% of that, I'm still like, make the goal the bigger one. Because I'd love for you to have heaps left over and be in a really good financial position once you buy your house. In fact, that extra, you know, 10% of a deposit that we didn't spend can go into an offset account and offset the interest that you're paying on your mortgage. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's literally like go big and go home. Yeah. 
That yeah, actually, but like the home that you bought. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the home that you bought go and own and go home and live in. Yep. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. That kind of touches on another question that we had were, that was aside from the deposit, which I think is the yep. big number that a lot of people save for and factor in when they think about buying a home or buying property. But what other costs should people be saving for and planning for if they're looking at buying a property? Mm, what yeah, are the okay. hidden costs of buying a property in your 20s? There's lots. So first things first, there's the boring costs like moving into the property. If you're planning on moving into it, um, how much is it going to cost to move? There are things like stamp duty that you need to take into consideration. I can't give you a number on that because it's different in every single state and territory. And for some first home buyers, you can waive stamp duty if you are buying in certain locations. Do you want me to make you sick? Yes. No, why would you say yes? Because the truth hurts, Val. So, the truth hurts. Thank you, Sal. (laughs) But Sal and Al, you need a fruit jingle to make you feel better because um, I'm going to make you sick because when I bought my first home, I was in a very privileged position. We spent $70,000 on our stamp duty. That's above and beyond the deposit. So that might seem like a lot, but... Our house, and I'm happy to talk about this because I think it's so important to be transparent. Like I'm not going to sit here and tell you what I earn and what we spend, but my husband and I sat down and we said, this is a reasonable amount for the two of us with a combined income as to, you know, people in their thirties who are buying their first homes. Um, We spent about $1.1 million on our first home, which if you now look at Melbourne and Sydney is actually the average, Mm -hmm. right? But we paid 70,000 in stamp duty overall. So these are not like tiny little costs. I'm like, oh, hey, just pop 500 bucks aside to do, um, you know, something with a conveyancer. That's massive. You need to take that into consideration. And that's also why you need to talk to a mortgage broker because they'll tell you what you have to pay. Mm -hmm. Then you're going to have to think about legals. So I would always put aside between a thousand and two thousand dollars for legals. So that's your conveyancer and your solicitor to make sure that the contracts are all good. That is actually legally binding. You need to have builder's insurance when you buy a house. So the bank is not actually going to give you the loan until you give them a certificate of currency for your insurance policy, because they're like, you're not going to have a loan on a house that if the house burns down, we don't get money for, Mm. which makes sense when you talk about it that way. Um, So you need to pay for insurance. That's not a, oh, maybe we won't do it. No, no, no. You're not getting the loan if you don't do it. Sorry, friend. Um, (laughs) So I think that's really important. If you're buying an apartment, you could have strata fees on that. And those strata fees, they are wildly different. So if you bought in a block of like six old units where there's no real services, like there's just a dude who has been there for 50 (laughs) years and he takes the bins out, Um, your strata fees might be like two grand a year, right? Yeah. But I have seen properties where, you know, they're fancy. They've got pools. They've got lifts. They have all of these different benefits. a a gym. Yep. Yep. Cool. Your strata fees are 20 grand a year. Like it's not uncommon. So you need to be asking, and that's one of the things that I would ask if you are buying an apartment, what does strata look like? Mm -hmm. How does that work? Like what are my body corp fees? I think you also need to really understand what an ongoing mortgage repayment looks like. So it's not a hidden cost. You kind of know it's coming. But in this market, what if the interest rate increases again and, you know, your mortgage repayment's another $500 a month? Can you afford that? Or are you going to have to get rid of the property? We should be factoring all of this in. And Mm -hmm. that's why when I say what is the perfect property for you to buy, 
The answer is the one you can afford. And it's taking all of those additional fees and charges into consideration because it's actually not sexy to buy the biggest house on the biggest street and have a mountain of debt that cripples you and gives you no lifestyle. Like mm. I would much prefer you go, V, I want to get into the property market. I cannot afford the house I want to live in. Why don't we do a rent vesting strategy where I buy a property, I'm paying off a property, someone else can rent it. It's increasing in value over time, money win, but also I'm on the property market, but I don't want to live there. No. Like I totally get that, but we need to talk about those things and actually have clean, clear goals before making a decision. Love. Quick side channel before we ask our final question, but I had a strata guy in like my first apartment. It was like one of those like old kind of like art deco. And so he would like mow the lawn, take the bins out, but he would clip the hedges right outside of like the ground rooms at like 1130 him. at night. Like it was right. like 1130. That's, that's illegal. And I would hear him in the hedges outside side my window shearing them like I was in the fucking nightmare on Elm Street. I was gonna say that no, is giving Freddy Krueger. It was so See, that's the old weird creepy. guy who takes the bins out. The guy who takes the bins <laughs> I out. told you. He was so strange. Like I was like why are you doing this at 11 o'clock at night? <laughs> and I was so scared because I was on the ground floor. Again, houses, ground floor, windows, entry points. I don't like it. Yeah, you've got trauma baby. Yeah, but what is the biggest and your biggest life lesson about buying a property in your 20s? Is that it is not always feasible. My dad bought his property in his 20s. And do you know why he bought his property in his 20s? Because back when my dad could afford a property, it was actually four times his annual salary. So mm -hmm. property, I guess, if you go way back, 1975, median house price in Sydney was six times the average income, right? Sexy. Do you know it is now 27 times the annual income? And I've done the maths for you because I really wanted to make you sick this, this episode and, like, I really wanted to, like, make this those fruit really tingles go you, there. This is really why you told us about yeah, the fruit like, tingle sorry. at the start. Yeah, because you, you need them, right? So <laughs> the median house price is now 27 times higher than it was in 1975. So we're listening to these guys who are telling us, like, oh, just cut back on avocado toast. That's what I did. So sit down. Like that's not how it works because if our if our wages had increased and matched that pace, which obviously you would think that would be possible, right? Mm -hmm. No, our average wage would be $162,000, but it's not, it's $65,000. So I think we need that context. Um, so if wages had matched that pace, the average wage would be now $162,000 but I don't know anybody who's earning $162,000 because the average wage in Australia is $65,000. And at the end of the day, that, look, it's just really challenging. So I think when it comes to property, the best thing that we could talk about is actually the reality of it and go, well, actually it is really different. Mm -hmm. It's not just us feeling like it's different or feeling like it's overwhelming. And I think that validating people and saying, this is emotional. This is hard, but it's also much harder than it's being made out to be. Mm. And we've been told so many times by the media that millennials and Gen Z, they actually just need to cut back, right? Like we just, we're so entitled. We're so over it. Um, actually, no, we're over it because it now feels like it's completely unobtainable mm. and it's unobtainable because it's 27 times the annual income when, you know, my dad was buying when it wasn't that. And I'm mm. my dad gets it, so it's totally fine. 
But most people who are putting media articles out there about property prices, they don't get it. They don't actually care as much as we do. And I think it's just so important to contextualize it and say, well, actually, the reality of this circumstance is that we should be looking for a property that we can afford if we want to do that. But also, if you can't afford property, that's okay. Mm. Like, not everyone needs it. You might go, actually, I've looked at all this. This is cooked. I do not want to be committed to a loan for the next 30 years. I want to rent. I want to live my life. I want to create wealth some other way. That's really sexy. Do that. I like that. I think having choice is what we want. And the best way to have choice is to have education. Yeah. And education is just knowing the world has changed, my friends. Yeah. Your measure of success and self is not based on whether or not you own a property, but if you want to own a property and you want to work towards that goal, that is amazing. Sexy will help yeah, you, gorgeous. but if you don't, also really hot. Yeah. <laughs> You're hot either way. Mm-hmm. And I, exactly. I think that's a great note to end on. Everyone's hot. Everyone's sexy and everyone's hot. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is the best podcast I've ever done. I love it. <laughs> Stunning. Well, thank you so much. And can you tell the chicks where they can find you so they can learn more? You can find me at she's on the money AUS or Victoria underscore divine on Instagram. Fair warning. I mainly post about fruit tingles and dogs. So if you want financial (laughs) advice, head on over to she's on the money or my financial advice or my mortgage broking business, Zella money. So that's where I'm at. Um, To be honest, come for the dogs. I'm safe for the fruit tingles. And of course, pick up Victoria's new book property. Oh yeah, I did that too. Yeah. You wear many hats. I know. So proud of so you, So proud. Chick. Love Aww, it. Oh, thanks, guys. Sal, Al, and Val. Sal, Al, and Val. And that's a wrap on Sal, Al, and Val. Thank you, chicks, for having us in your ear holes. We absolutely love to be here. And thank you to MIK Made for making this episode of Two Broke Chicks happen. Bye. Bye, chicks. Bye, Bye. Bye Victoria. <laughs> Bye, Val. <laughs>